You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado. And you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Grace and peace to you from God who is, who was, and who is to come. Amen. There's this phrase that goes through my head quite frequently, and particularly when we read about baptism, when we have baptisms. And I've been thinking about it for the last week or so, and I couldn't figure out why until I was preparing for a baptism at my church this morning. The words are, in holy baptism, our gracious heavenly Father liberates us from sin and death by joining us to the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are born children of a fallen humanity. In the waters of baptism, we are reborn children of God and inheritors of eternal life. I figured out where the words came from because they come from our baptism liturgy as Lutherans. They're in that old green hymnal, which if you're not a lifelong Lutheran or not a Lutheran at all, that's the hymnal that was used for like 30 years and sometimes in some stubborn congregations still today. <laughs> and I realized the first time I probably heard those words was when I was four years old at my own baptism. That day, I stood in front of 75 strangers with my parents and sister and my soon-to-be godparents. I'm sure I had no idea what liberation from sin and death meant, what a fallen humanity was, or eternal life. But I do remember feeling like hot stuff because I had these brand new blue corduroy pants and I was wearing them for this big day. <laughs> and I remember Pastor Ken's gentle Midwestern voice saying, Catherine Joe, child of God, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ forever. I was special that day. I was a child of God. Now, I remember other baptisms too. Pastor Joel, who came after Pastor Ken, was a lot taller than Pastor Ken, a lot louder than Pastor Ken, and a little more gruff in his cowboy boots and hat. But every time we had a baptism, he called all of the kids up around our huge oak font with a little teeny tiny silver bowl of water in it. And he'd show us the water. We'd get to touch it. And he'd tell us about the person who would be baptized that day. Usually it was a baby. And then during the baptism, he'd take that baby around and he'd walk up and down the aisles, along the pews, introducing everyone to their newest sibling in Christ. After that, everyone gathered, would join together saying, we welcome you into the Lord's family. We receive you as a fellow member of the body of Christ, children of the same heavenly father. In those baptisms, I learned that baptism wasn't just something special for me, but for so many other children of the same God. How we experience baptism, how we understand it, our roles in it change over lifetimes. Seven years ago, I became a baptismal sponsor, a godparent when my sister-in-law gave birth to twins, a boy and girl, who spent their first few months of life 
in the NICU and stuck at home with cords attached to them. When they had been home and cord-free for a few months, they finally got to go to church. The day they were baptized, our niece was restless, fighting sleep and trying to take in all of the words and music and people around her. While our nephew was so chill that I don't know if he even woke up when the water touched his face. <laughs> we held baptismal candles as they were commissioned, let your light so shine before others. These two babies were so different from each other and are still so different today. But in the same way, both are reborn as children of God, my siblings in Christ, and also my godchildren, who I have promised to love, to teach, to live in covenant with, and to pray for. Earlier this summer, I was presiding at another baptism on a river on a windy, cloudy day, and we were sure it was going to storm, so I was racing through this liturgy, and I was reading the scripture about Jesus' baptism. I got to the part where the heavens open and the spirit descends like a dove, and lo and behold, the clouds above us parted, and the sun descended upon us, and it stayed out throughout the pouring of the water and the baptizing of that wee one in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and for all the baptisms I've had, my own as a child, those of my godchildren, and so many others as a pastor, I have never been so stunned. Because for just a few minutes, this beautiful picture we paint of baptism came to light. We use the waters and the words of baptism to paint this fantastic picture of family brothers and sisters, siblings, all made equal in Christ and made children of a father so good, better and kinder and more gracious and more loving than any parent we could ever imagine. We love baptisms. Baptisms make us feel good because that family that we have made is growing. But when Jesus talks about baptism and family, it sounds nothing like that. <laughs> he says, I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is complete. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you rather division. From now on, five and one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. That doesn't sound like the reborn children of God. It sounds a lot more like a fallen humanity. And it was Jesus' reality. Division began in the proclamation Jesus' mother Mary made at the news of his birth. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. Division continued and Jesus calling his disciples away from their families, away from their familial responsibilities, to build a new kingdom. Continued in Jesus' stories where a Samaritan was the good guy and the trusted rabbi left a man for dead on the street. And Jesus breaking the Sabbath to heal a woman with a bent back. Jesus did things that though life-giving for the lowly and oppressed were met with opposition 
with lack of peace, with division. Matt Skinner, who's a professor of New Testament at Luther Seminary, says, Jesus isn't against peace here. He points out that his message of release and transformation is bound to be divisive. His words about fractured families may have spoken poignantly to Luke's original audiences, who themselves might have included members who were estranged from kin because of their commitment to Jesus Christ. The words speak poignantly to us, too. We follow Jesus, and we claim this ideal baptismal family, but our own families live in that divided house. We've been at the dinner table when someone brings up politics, and Uncle Bob goes on a tirade about how he shouldn't pay taxes because he gives to charity and works at the community kitchen. And Cousin Susie, at the same time, pipes in because she thinks it's our responsibility as citizens to create government programs to ensure everyone has food and homes. Raised voices and red faces and tears cloud the fact that they both want to feed the hungry. They both want good things for God's people. But you might as well have dammed the Platte River and driven it through the house so he can live on this side and she on that because they are divided and not coming together. The good news is Jesus' division doesn't end on opposite sides of anything. Jesus' division is more than division. Luke, the gospel writer of this story we read today, explained division by using a Greek word, diamerismon, which is actually two words. The first is pretty simple. It's dia. It means through, in the middle of, in between. The other is marismus, which comes from marizzo, which is indeed division. But marismus has come to be known as something partitioned or distributed, like the tongues of fire in the book of Acts that descend on all of the disciples. It is also known in poetry, both ancient and modern. A marismus, as we understand it there, is two parts or two ends of one thing. Those two ends don't represent only one thing. For example, young and old, night and day, left and right. Those two ends don't represent only the ends. They represent everything in the middle, too. For instance, when we welcome people young and old to the communion table or to baptism, we don't leave out middle-aged folks. <laughs> At least I hope not. Similarly, Jesus doesn't say, I came to separate you all and leave it there. Jesus says, do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather, diamerismen, I came through division, in between those two sides, in those partitions you make. And that is what Jesus does. Jesus challenges people. Jesus changes people, and that causes division. That gets him crucified, and sometimes it puts his followers in kind of sticky situations too. But even in crucifixion, Jesus comes between, between two criminals on the cross, between his mother and his friend at the foot of the cross, asking them to care for each other, between those who crucify him and his father who he begs forgive them. Jesus comes through division 
through life and death and eternal life, Jesus enters in between. That's his baptism. That's our baptism too. It doesn't make us perfect children of God any more than we are perfect children or parents or siblings in our own families of origin. We are actually hypocrites. We fail <laughs> in interpreting the current time. We fail in seeing and naming and confronting lots of division and lots of hatred in our world. Uncle Bob and Cousin Susie will probably stand on opposite sides of the river for a long time. But do you know what brings them together? Jesus. <laughs> in Cousin Timmy's baptism, at Grandma's funeral, at Jim and June's wedding, Jesus becomes the bridge. The places where the body of Christ meets, where we proclaim the love of God in both celebration and mourning. That's where they come together. And that's another Marismas, celebration and mourning, two parts of a thing called life. We know that Jesus is in both celebration and mourning, which promises us that Jesus is in between those things too, between father and son, mother and daughter, mother-in-law and daughter-in-law, Uncle Bob and Cousin Susie, you and me. Those words prove it. In holy baptism, our gracious Heavenly Father liberates us from sin and death by joining us to the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are born children of a fallen humanity. In the waters of baptism, we are reborn children of God and inheritors of eternal life. With Jesus here and now, again and again, thanks be to God. You have been listening to the sermon podcast for House for All Sinners and Saints. If you like what you've been hearing and would like to support the ongoing ministry of our church, just go to our website, www.houseforall.org, and click on Give.